Hey, good morning, y'all. It's so good to see your faces in this place. Beating the heat here at the varsity summer. And I'm so missing the arboretum, but I am not missing the sweat. That is for sure. Into a message today that is probably. Um, it's, it's harder than I would want it to be. Um, and so we're going to dive in this together. If we are open to it, it is going to challenge us, okay? If our hearts are open to what the Lord wants to do, I think we will be challenged. This is not about judgment. This is not about guilt in any way, but this is about a path of grace toward a relationship with our good and loving creator, almighty God. It's a message that is as much to me as it is to anyone else in this room, okay? So we are in this boat together, together. This is a message about rest. <laughs> a message about rest. What comes to mind when you think of rest. You can just shout it out. Sleep. Yes. Amen. Peace. Peace. Couch. Tranquility of couch. Amen. No couch. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. God's grace. Mm. Amen. Amen. Um, images that come to my mind I want to share with you as I think about is my daughter <laughs> yeah, she is. She is laying. Well, in in the previous, laying on peaceful Dylan. Dylan is so peaceful though that sometimes I come home through the front door and that neighbor Wes, what I will see, and I walk in the front door, which is maybe a little more personal with my dog than what you wanted to to get today. <laughs> but that is like for a dog, right? That is just like the most restful place like there's just such comfort and peace to be sprawled out okay dylan um avery's dog let me just be specific this is Avery's dog dylan so comes to mind for me is that of a hammock the trees on the side of the water y'all that's an island lake if you need a map i can point you there it is just such a place of solitude and rest. It's the image of the woods is so far back in the hills of West Virginia that um, my kids call it the mountain of terror that we have to drive over to get there. Um, and it is, what's that? You want a map to that? Well, it is so far back that if something catches on fire, it is faster to start a bucket brigade from the creek than for the fire truck to get there. So um, your chances of getting the fire out uh, are more likely that way. Um, so as I was reflecting on this and really thinking about rest, one of the things that came to mind for me, the images for me, are actually maybe not what you would think of as rest, but... In the summertime, as a kid, um, on the back of a wagon being pulled by my grandfather on a tractor. 
right? And so this image for me is actually bringing the work that was done before the rest. There is an amazing feeling that comes, there's that comes after eight hours in the hot sun, sweating and drinking nothing but water all day long so you don't dehydrate. But y'all, on that wagon, it doesn't stop. It ju you keep going until it is done, right? And so when the work was finally done, at the end of the day, we went back to my grandparents' house on the farm, and there was Gatorade waiting on us. Gatorade sitting in the shade, and then we got paid. <laughs> so it was like that, that moment, though, right? Like, so spending time as a teenager, you all started putting up hay when I was 12 and on into my early 20s, helping out, putting up hay every summer on the farm. And that experience over and over again, like the celebration of the rest that came after the work. That picture for me is so, so vivid. So as we think about rest, what actually is it? I am intrigued that this word is both a noun and a verb, right? That rest is a thing that we can talk about all day long, but then rest is also something that we do. It is active, actually, right? That rest is an active thing. We maybe don't make that association, but it is something that we have to do. The Oxford Dictionary defines it as a verb, is to cease work or movement in order to relax, refresh oneself, recover strength. As a it is an instance or period of relaxing, ceasing to engage in strenuous or stressful activity. I love also the definition of it musically, that it is an interval of silence of a specified duration. The rest that we are going to talk about today, it is a deep rest that is an active thing that we are called to participate in. Sabbath rest. So when was the last time that you experienced that kind of rest? <laughs> A deep Sabbath rest. Right? Some of you are smiling because you experienced it this week. Maybe it was at the beach. Maybe it was just a day of not working, a day of, or a night of restful sleep. Some of you are smiling maybe because you have an afternoon of rest planned today and you are excited to get on to that. Some of us are smiling to hide the reality that it has been a while. Maybe it's since that time in 1987 when that thing happened. A childhood trauma, some separation or loss that has since made it nearly impossible 
to find rest. Or that thing that happened a few weeks ago, there could be, right, just a barrier for us between here and the rest that we need. Maybe it's the last time that you had stable housing or a roof over your head. You could have an uninterrupted night of sleep. Y'all, it is likely for most of us that it has been too long for this kind of Sabbath rest. In our passage today, we're going to pick up in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through chapter 4, verses, verse 13. That's a big section of which I am like, this is a series by itself. Y'all, so look for a preview here of coming attractions. Um, a series on Sabbath is something that we need. But first, I'm going to let the Lord keep working on me in that before we go there. You're going to hear the word today a lot in this passage. The word today. The word shows up more than a couple of times. If you really need help engaging today, if you want to count how many times I say today, it will be an interesting fact at the end of today. I've already said it at least six times. But this is driving home the reality for us that this is about a present reality. That this is something that we can experience in the here and now, today. So we're going to pick up with verse 7 and on down through uh, verse, <clears throat> verse 15 here at first. So it will be on the screen, or if you want to pull it up in your Bible, you can do that. Reading from the New International Version. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me for 40 years, they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my ways, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Our preacher here in Hebrews, right? As we've been in this series, we've talked about how the book of Hebrews as we know it is really a sermon. It is a 40-minute-ish sermon that if preached straight through is speaking to people who are followers of Jesus but are in a context, a culture that is causing them to go astray, that is pulling them away from their originally held firm convictions. And so our preacher is making connections for the hearers here in the first century, hyperlinking the message all the way back. It is going all the way back through history, the history of the people of Israel, and making it 
clear to the hearers there in their here and now in the first century. And to do so, the preacher is quoting from Psalm 95. The specifically, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. He's a good preacher, or she is a good preacher. We don't know the author, remember? Repeating this, this particular verse at least three times to drive home a point, right? It takes us hearing something at least three times for it to stick. So our preacher here in Hebrews gives it to us three times. So it is going to stick. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And so just as that point is being driven home for the hearers in the first century, that is being driven home for us here and now, today, in the Varsity Theater on Franklin Street in Chapel Hill, the author is speaking to you and to me. Anyone who is reading this word, and you might say, hold up, preacher man or preacher woman. I wasn't alive in the rebellion. You're talking about a time when Israel was in the wilderness and trying to get to the promised land. I wasn't a part of that rebellion. But this goes back beyond even those people in the first century, right? Quoting Psalm 95, that in the Psalms, it is calling out the people of that day in Babylon, the people who are exiled from their homeland. So this is speaking throughout history and comes to us today. Us who live in a 24 seven world that is non-stop. Y'all, in a generation where we have more time-saving technology than ever, and yet we, especially in this Western world, in the United States, we are some of the most worked people. We spend more hours per week in this country in this culture working than in most other places in the world. <laughs> in Chapel Hill, in Durham, wherever they are, that's right. This 24-7 world that we are continually connected and we have to struggle to find the off button. You know, I don't know about your phone, but it takes two buttons to turn my phone off. Not just one. There is design in that. There is design in social media to continue having you come back. Even, I don't know if you noticed in the weather apps lately, the weather apps are designed now to get you to come. Check the weather again. Just, to, just in case there's an alert, maybe. Come back and check it again. And to be sure, there are necessary weather alerts, but it is like all the time now. There is some reason you should open that app. Right? <laughs> Everything is designed to keep us engaged, not designed to turn it off so that we can find rest. I don't know about you, um, but I grew up with 80s and 90s country music. <laughs> And so the song that comes to mind when I think about this is from the, the band Alabama. <laughs> Alabama, I'm in a hurry, and I don't know why. I'm in a hurry to get things done. 
I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I've got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. Right? Still, in 2023, I'm like, yep, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> Have you found yourself saying, there are not enough hours in the day? Mm-hmm. There's not enough days in the week. I need that eighth day. Where did it go? Hmm. I don't know about you. I find myself and have found myself, not as much anymore, but I have found myself at times saying, I have time to rest when I die. <laughs> like, I can sleep afterwards. I got to make the most of every minute here and now. And I would wear that as a badge of honor, a badge of strength, or superiority even, because I could work more hours than anybody else. It didn't affect me. Uh, No. (laughs) It is more like a badge of chaos. Disordered desires, bad habits, and unsustainable practices. How many times have you found, when you ask, how you doing? The response you get is, what? Busy. Yeah. Good, fine, or busy. Busy. I would find myself from time to time. How are you doing? Oh, things are really busy. It kind of drives me crazy, <laughs> knowing that that was my response, even. So, as a culture, about what we value. Do we value rest? Certainly, we want to give it lip service, right? We may even virtue signal to say, this is something that is important to me. But do we actually do it? Do we value it enough to give it its place? And some of y'all got it figured out, and I love it, and I'm looking to you as an example. But I'm speaking to myself and to most of us, this part where it says we need encouragement, right? Encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Y'all, the deceitfulness of sin is to say that we are what we produce. The deceitfulness is to make us believe a lie that our identity is caught up in what we do. And so we need to encourage one another to carry out God's will and purpose for our lives. And in doing so, finding that our identity is wrapped up in who we are, not what we do. Let's continue on in verse 16. Who were they who rebelled, who heard and rebelled? Verse 16, and we're going to go on down through Verse 3 of chapter 4. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those who Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom God did whom <laughs> to whom did God swear? that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed. 
So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now, we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, so I declare on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. That's a lot. It connects us back to the message that Chris preached last week, and I am so grateful, Chris. Thank you. Connecting Jesus to Moses and showing that Jesus is greater than Moses. And so we see that connection to the people in the wilderness with Moses. Right? Were the people eager to listen to what Moses had to say? Were they faithful and obedient to what God asked of them? Even after they were rescued from slavery in Egypt? 400 years of slavery in Egypt? The preacher here in Hebrews is warning us, and we should be warning one another, that just as the Israelites were wandering in the desert and they rebelled over and over and over and actually angered God who is slow to anger and abounding in love, we who have received God's grace have the same propensity today and we take for granted the rescue that God made for us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And yet we go on living like death hasn't been overcome. And we are still in slavery to sin. One of the key indicators, and this is where this passage is going, that we have abandoned the regular rhythm of rest. One of the indicators that we are losing sight of what God has done, this amazing rescue that has been done on our behalf, we stop with the regular rhythms of rest. And in fact, we've been given a model for a rhythm of rest. We're going to pick up on into verse 3 of chapter 4. It says, And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. Somewhere. Somewhere he spoke about the seventh, seventh day in these words. It's amazing that our preacher is right even that, spurring our memory to say, where does this come from? It comes from the creation narrative. On the seventh day, it says, God rested from all his works. And again, this passage says, they shall never enter my rest. What is that about? We keep hearing that almost as much as we've heard today. They shall never enter my rest. What is that about? We've heard this, and it sparks questions, right? Is God saying he will keep someone 
from experiencing that rest? Did he, in fact, block Israel from encountering the rest in the wilderness? He just rescued them from the horrors of slavery and death. Would it make sense that he would then somehow keep them from entering into rest? No. It's like the hardening of Pharaoh's heart that we see in that same Exodus story. It's like that for those who are in the wilderness, who continually pursued their own will, their own plan, instead of the one that was given by the rescuer. Friends, they're given over to their ways. They're not wanting the rest. They are wanting their own way, their own desires. And they hear, instead of the voice of God, they hear their own voice speaking into their lives. That voice to follow their own desire, to earn their own comfort and gain, instead of leading to life, it leads to death. And so is there a point of no return? We firmly believe in the grace and mercy of God that can transform even the hardest of hearts. The invitation to rest is still here with us. In the wilderness, the people, they rebel and they seek their own ways time and time again, grumbling against the one who saved them, even making idols of their own to worship. They clearly, the people had been taken out of Egypt but still Egypt needed to be taken out of them. God gives them clarity for living. Just a few verses later, after the rebellion that Psalm 95 is talking about, that rebellion you can see in Exodus 17 on our teaching page, y'all, there is a link to a few different passages today. There, in, in this summer reading list, there is a lot of additional reading. Um, so if you want to check that out and go deeper on the Sunday page, you can go to the teaching section and there are some links there. That rebellion we see in Exodus 17 and so just three chapters later in Exodus 20, we get 10 practical rules for how to maintain good loving relationship with each other, between people, and with the almighty creator God. We know them as the Ten Commandments, or the Big Ten, if you will. The first five are centered on our relationship with God, and then the latter five centered on our relationship with one another. So, having no gods before me, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, right? The good King James Version, <laughs> thou shalt not make any idols, Take the Lord's name in vain. Honor your father and mother. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. All very practical things for how we do life in community and how we love one another and how we show our love for God. Number four in that list of the top ten. The 
commandments, they're found in Exodus 20. We're going to look at verses 8 through 11. Huge props to Joel keeping up with me back there for what's on the screen. <laughs> you know, verses 8 through 11 of chapter 20. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day, the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. How you doing? How you doing on keeping that Sabbath holy? Mm. Yep, the conviction in my own heart. The reality is we are created for rhythm. We're created for a cadence of life that is marked by a seven-day work and rest. Is work bad? No. No, we have a job to do. There is work to be done. We are stewards of God's creation, and that is an active caring for all that we've been given. We're also stewards of the message of good news. That is an active work for us to share throughout our day, throughout our lives. But the distinction is that there is a day set apart. A day set apart for rest. Talking about cadence and routine, ask any parent who has worked to get their child on a schedule. A routine of when they wake up, when they go to bed, when they eat, that schedule is sacred. Me. Hey, Ricky. Excuse me. Yeah, buddy. Uh, excuse me. There's a while who be realize go down to the basement and shelter. That's right. If that thunderstorm is coming, Where's take shelter. Where's the basement? I don't, I don't, oh, the basement here, we, we are in a very uh, safe concrete block, so <laughs> I think we're okay. We're, we're safe here. When the basement down the building for speed basement is in a greatest lighting weather, we're the basement somewhere. Yes, Ricky has got us covered on the weather alert, so I don't need that app. I don't need to open that app. So, that is right. That's right. We we got it. We will stay safe in this space. So hang hang with us. Y'all, the sacredness of the schedule, right? What happens when that schedule gets out of balance? <laughs> right? It's amazing when that schedule is in place. But when other things interfere with it, interfere with it, 
even church on Sunday morning interferes with those schedules for a lot of parents. And I love you and applaud you for being here and making it happen. But it leads to crying babies. <laughs> when we are out of rhythm, we're off of the routine. Those babies show us the reality. How many of the problems in this world could be solved if everybody could just take a nap? <laughs> some rest one of the best pieces of wisdom that I got was don't ever make decisions when you're tired when you're hungry or when you're angry some of us should never make decisions <laughs> but <laughs> but the reality of those the physical toll that it takes for us to go and go and go. It is up to us. It is an active thing for us to keep it in check. To somehow put our work into six days and set aside a day that is holy. There's something to the rhythm of the people of Israel that have maintained a Sabbath for three and a half millennia. The people of Israel, Jewish folk, keep the Sabbath, y'all. It's real. And they've been doing so for a really long time. And the beauty of having a Sabbath day that is in common is that there is community built around that rest. It also takes preparation, right? We can't just stop and then, right, not work. We have to actually prepare for that day of rest. Picking up in verse 6, bringing it home. Therefore, since it still, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. He's been making this call through the generations to rest. Some will receive it and some won't. It is clear from this, right? We are given the choice to enter that rest. God is again making that call for the first century people who are hearing this in Hebrews and for us today. Picking back up in verse 18 on through the end. For Joshua had given them rest. If Joshua had given them rest, right? Joshua is the one leading them into the promised land. God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. If there was one verse for you to take away today, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Right. 
all of the work in preparation for the rest. Sure, that rest gives us space and restoration that we can go again. But that looking at, it, looking at it that way flips it on its head from the way it is intended. Those six days of work lead us to that place of rest and connection with one another and God our Creator. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. The Word of God is alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of every heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of, whom, of him to whom we must give account. Thinking back to the creation narrative, when sin has entered in, right, when Adam and Eve have been deceived, their identity of who they are, then lost in exchange for one that says, we want to do it our way. The response to that is then when God, their creator, is with them in the garden and walking around, God calls out and says, where are you? They're hidden because they feel like they need to hide. They need to hide from the Almighty, the one whose image they bear because they've now believed a lie that who they are is wrapped up in what they do. But nothing is hidden from God. God knows our need before we can even utter it out loud. Specifically, our need for rest. The double-edged sword of rest, though, is that it requires trust. It requires faithfulness. And in order to trust, we must have a sense of safety and security. So God inviting us into that rest is inviting us to trust him to trust with that one day a week that we might not work. That we don't have to use that one more day to produce something more again. But here we are in a 24-7 world. We are in the wilderness. Egypt is still in us telling us that who we are is what we do and what we can produce. But then Jesus comes along to meet us. Jesus, the creator of the Sabbath, the maker of it, gives us this invitation in Matthew 11, 28 through 29. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary 
and carrying heavy burdens. Is that anybody here? Come to me all that are weary and carrying heavy burdens and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Keeping Sabbath is counter-cultural, y'all. It is out of the norm, but it is one of the distinctions of our faith. Our identity and our value not being a result of what we produce or what we do, but in who we are and whose image we bear. We must be intentional about how we embrace this countercultural narrative that we live it out here and now, today. A couple of practical ways to think about this and try it this week. Next time someone asks you, how are you? And you respond busy. Take a moment to hear it with your ears and evaluate it, right? No judgment. There's no guilt. This is me. This is me too. Or when you hear someone else say it, ask the deeper question. Really, how are you? Or maybe practice setting aside a day a week. Try it for a month. If you can't do a whole day, start somewhere. Create a space within a day. Maybe it starts with a few hours. We can grow in that. Try finding the two buttons on your phone to turn it off for a little bit. And try not to have that tick, right? It's like, you've got to find your phone. Where is it? Try turning it off, even for a little bit. Let's be intentional to pray for faith. Because it is in faith to trust God that we are able to come out of the hiding, that we are believing the lie. that we turn to the truth. The truth of who we are is wrapped up in Jesus and what Jesus did for us. This is the invitation for us. This is the invitation for us to put our faith and our trust in the one who died for us, whose body was broken and his blood shed for you and for me, for the forgiveness of sin. Then instead of believing the lie, we believe the truth that who we are is found in the one who made us. And so today we come to the table. It is an invitation 
to recline at the table with the disciples. This is not just something we do. It is a reminder of who we are. So as you come today, we're going to tear off a piece of the bread and dip it in a cup. Friends, as you taste it, taste the rest that is given for us. Let it inspire you and move you forward to pursue that Sabbath rest. Looks like we have Darren and Eddie to serve us today. Y'all, we're going to come down this side, just row by row. We'll come down uh, and then across and then back to your seat. There is a gluten-free option if you need it. So we invite you to come to the table.